Hey up, Flower. Welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. My name is Rory McNamara, and we are taking you back in the time machine today to the second day of December 2000 to look at the Rebellion pay-per-view, which took place in, as I'm sure you've already worked out from my all-too-on-the-nose intro, Sheffield, England. Who better to accompany me on this instant classic of a pay-per-view that we're going to take Mr. Billy Johnson. Billy, welcome back to the show. Yes, being a proud Yorkshireman, I'm definitely up to watching this show. Uh, just before we head into the time machine, I should say I was actually in university in Yorkshire at the time. So I could have attended this pay-per-view, but I didn't. The full story will develop 20 years ago just to get really fucked with your heads nice and early on. We do have other shows for you in December, as ever, a very busy month. We will have our proper WWF show dropping in a couple of weeks' time. Chris White and Co. taking you through Armageddon and all that. I'll be on the WCW show with Eric, looking at what is left of Starcade these days. Chris Lacey along with ECW, as ever, and our eighth annual end-of-year award show. Cool. You don't want to miss that. You also don't want to be doing anything around that one either because it's four hours long. I sincerely hope this one will not be four hours long, Billy. I don't even think people with repartee, the ability of you and I, will be able to stretch four hours of material out of this one. But shall we hop into the time machine nevertheless? Yeah, let's hop into the time machine and give it a go, Rory. Let's... Yeah, the time machine is still working, alas. So I shall press the button and we will come out on the 3rd of December 2000. So then, Billy, yesterday was our latest UK-only WWF pay-per-view as they deigned to visit our shores again. Let's crack straight into it, shall we, and have the results from the Sheffield Arena, December 2nd, 2000, the Rebellion. Okay, so the Dudleys defeated Edge and Christian and TNA in an elimination tables match. Ivory defeated Lita to retain the women's championship. Steve Blackman beat Perry Saturn to retain the WWF hardcore title. Crash Holly beat William Regal to win the European Championship. Uh, Billy Gunn and China defeated Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko. Kane defeated Chris Jericho in a one-fall to the finish match. That's what they build it as, right? <laughs> uh, the right to censor, which was Paul Buchanan and the good father, defeated the Dudley Boys to retain the WWF Tag Team titles. Uh, the Undertaker defeated Chris Benoit. And finally, in your main event, it was a fatal four-way Kurt Angle defeated Rikishi, The Rock, and Stone Cold Steve Austin to retain the WWF Championship. Billy, what did you think of this end of tour house? Sorry, pay-per-view. <laughs> too mixed up. Well, you see, Rory, this was a wonderful house... I mean, pay-per-view. No, wait a minute. I do mean house show. It was definitely a house <laughs> show. Um, I dropped £14 on this uh, wonderful event on my Sky box office, and I encouraged some of my friends to come round. They all seemed to enjoy it because The Rock was on there, but I was uh, not so pleased myself being the hardcore wrestling fan that I am. So overall, I was, uh, I would say this show was WWS version of, yeah, we're on tour. This is the last stop of the tour. We're going to do our greatest hits for our wrestlers. And that was pretty much it, apart from the nice little title change that we got in the uh, mid-card. Something almost meaningful. Yes, you couldn't really call this show a smart paradise, could you, Billy? 
no, he certainly wasn't <laughs> going to get anything uh, going over two and a half stars, and that would just be very, very nice of me to say that. <laughs> Not even you would don the Bermuda, short, Bermuda shorts in December for a show like this. <laughs> uh, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> Maybe the three quarter lengths, but definitely not Bermuda. <laughs> uh, quite, quite the image, nice and early. I should say to get the one out of our heads, also nice and early. Um, I didn't actually watch this show live yesterday. I am in my first year of university, and this being a Saturday night, I had far, far, far more important and let's say pressing matters to attend to. Yes, I was what <laughs> easy now. Yes, I was watching later with Jules Holland in my room seeing at the drive-in completely tear it up with their version of one-armed scissor. Not only that, they made Robbie Williams look like a fool as well. I know, no mean feat, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Rory, tell us the truth. You're in the student bar down in Chief Foster's. Well, Billy, come on, Hoffmeister. (laughs) Hoffmeister, oh my God. Hoffmeister, one pound a pint in the student union bar. (laughs) And And it's still only 10p on the pool table as well. Oh, oh, not bad, not bad. I'm and I should say if anybody starts, yeah, <laughs> yes, that's ten p to play pool. Nothing else on the pool table before you. Oh, in. that's a shame. <laughs> Shall we stop dissembling and get on with the show, Billy? Oh, I think we should. Yes. <laughs> I should. I actually haven't given my early thoughts on it yet, perhaps tellingly. But in let's do it. In 1980, 20 years ago, Monty Python released their contractual obligation album. So let's review Rebellion 2000. Shall we? <laughs> So we got ourselves a cold open, or should I, sell, should I say, being in Yorkshire, a Nesh open, with a taxi turning up, containing a very cold Deborah and a very bold, with an O, Mick Foley. We then cut to our opening video package, which does a not very good job cutting in commentators saying words like fatal four-way, as if it had any direct connection to a show they have built a grand total of 0% on air towards. Straight out of the cab, our commissioner team then join us in the ring as we discover our commentary team are Jim Ross and Taz. Yes, they really don't pay attention to continuity in these shows, do they? <laughs> Billy, I'll ask you now, in case I forget a bit later on, yep. what do you make of Taz's big, it says here, commentary <laughs> debut? I must say I was surprised to hear him. But yep. um, no, what, what are your thoughts first? What did you reckon? Bit you of a tryout, what? I thought. It's, it's early days, so I'm not going to be that horrible. Actually, I'm going to be that horrible. I, I thought he was quite dreadful, to be perfectly honest. He said a lot of catchphrases and was trying to get over these silly catchphrases, which I just I have no desire to hear. Now, I, I can't be that horrible to him because it is he's still learning. But you've got to remember that like, I'm sure you remember this, Rory. You know, him and JR are only feuding. Um, is it three months ago now? How could I forget? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Despite as much as I'd like to. Why wouldn't they just play it up ever so slightly? Mm-hmm. You know, it would have would given us a little something over the show to, to sink our teeth into, you know, maybe a few uh, digs at one another here every now and again. But no, they just ignored it and sort of let Taz say these silly catchphrases that I don't think any of them are going to be on a T-shirt. That's for damn sure. I've mentioned one or two of them in my notes, so be warned. You're going to hear them at least once more in your life. Hopefully not many more times harder than that. Yeah, this was a bizarre pairing. I would imagine that Taz is going to be going into commentary pretty soon. We're supposed to forget that he was some kind of active wrestler not so long ago. 
a not so tacit admission that his time in the ring in the WWF has been a complete bust. Uh, nevertheless, why was he semi body body with JR? Other than lampooning a couple of JR's catchphrases here and there, he was, and I'm ashamed of myself even mentioning him in the same breath, but he was trying to play the Jesse Ventura role here as a mainly leaning heel but will praise the faces when he thinks appropriate, which is not the worst place to start from. But I think it's going to be a long time until I'm mentioning him in that breath ever again. Yeah, he was both trying too hard and not really trying hard enough. You can always tell in any walk of life when somebody is doing that. And I think that was the case with Taz here. As I say, I imagine we're going to be hearing rather a lot of him on television for the next I don't know how long, but not the most auspicious of beginnings. Let's get to the show proper. Foley introduces our main event and we get to the expected crowd reactions. But he then says Triple H isn't in the event because he doesn't deserve to be. And it must be said the response to that is actually a bit mixed. Mick gets them back with his dead on Helmsley impression. Ah, and the cheap pop keeps them on board. Apparently, it was Deborah's idea to make the match no DQ, as, and I'm not making this up, she decided on the plane ride over. Yeah. What a way to spend 10 hours. <laughs> Angle is, unsur- is unsurprisingly out to voice his disapproval. He makes the semi-accurate claim that the chances of him tarnishing the WWF title are as regular as an Englishman winning an Olympic gold. Oh, well. I suppose Jason Queeley's 15 minutes are up. Deborah tells him he will have to deal with it, and that's the segment. Hmm. Safe to say the time spent coming up with a no-DQ stip on the plane took away from any to try to put a hot opening segment together. (laughs) I think we call that one back of a fag packet over here, don't we, Billy? Uh, uh, Yes, uh, I think Bruce just, like, quickly jotted down some notes, gave it to Deborah and Foley, and they were like, yeah, we know the bullet points, no worries, we'll we'll just nail it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Nothing else to say about that win. We have a fairly big start in the ring, so, so let's see what, what we have with TNA versus Edge and Christian versus the Dudleys in what is, of course, a three-team elimination tables match. Albert and Devon kick off as I spot the following double-sided sign. Kurt's a sausage jockey. It's true. It's true. He does a tone on the other side, though, with Tony Blair Trophy, a tankful. Topical, three months ago. Bubba in as there's not much going on here so far. Table gets slid in and then Albert kicks it in half when it was being held by the Dudleys. Another one is set up, but before Bubba can be backdropped through it, D1 moves it out of the way. Edge in and he gets to stomping. Plenty of quick tags in this one, but nobody is being permitted to really assert themselves. Reverse 3D by the Dudleys, then the table is up and Edge and Christian help Bubba powerbomb Albert through it, so we are quickly down to two. Christian pulls Devon down and allows Edge to baseball slide him to the outside. Back in, Edge misses a forearm but does connect with a back elbow. Russian leg sweep by Christian and now we get a we want tables chant. Normally, I would be happy that they waited a bit, but here it's too late. There have been five tables in the match already. Yes, I was counting. Rake in the face by Edge and now here comes table number six. But it gets kicked back in the heels faces. Hot tag to Bubba, but the ref didn't see it. Yes, in December 2000, we're still doing that spot. Front suplex by Devon buys himself some time and the crowd go with him. And now we get the face tag and Bubba does the Bubba thing. Side slam to Edge, but he recovers with a spear. And now the heels go for their version of the what's up headbutt. 
very funny. Sadly, Bubba reverses and Edge's head ends up, well, you know. The genuine article then gets done, and now Bubba calls for the table. But haven't they already used... Oh, never mind. Christian dives in front of Edge with a clothesline to stop him being set up for the 3DD. But 3D in a very nice spot. Sadly, it only allows him to be grabbed and whipped, allowing for the 3D through the table and the win for the Dudleys. What have we got, Billy? Oh, my days. Uh, Well, this was a perfectly acceptable opener. It did seem at times as if the Dudleys were phoning it in ever so slightly. It's sort of they knew that this was a pay-per-view slash house show. And like we've been saying, it was the end of the tour. So they might as well just have played the greatest hits. Uh, But they were super over and the crowd reacted to everything they did. So what was the point of them going up and above and beyond anyway? So I kind of got why they did it. Um, E&C and TNA did actually generally try to work hard. But um, yeah, this was, it was, I'm not going to say this is like basically probably the match of the night, really, wasn't it? And then um, far off. It, it wasn't really that great either. So <laughs> I'm finding nice things uh, hard to, to try and find nice things to say about it. But um, at this present moment in time, I really can't think of anything more than yeah the Dudleys were super over and <laughs> I suppose there was that <laughs> nice try um I so tried, the, yeah. <laughs> you're right about I've got a question here for you absolutely right about the Dudleys being over that can't be questioned but here we are now December 2000 they've still got Chris Lacey with them and uh, don't <laughs> tell him I said this but don't the Dudleys need to start mixing things up a little bit now And as long as the tables thing is over, and it still is, I can understand why the Fed wouldn't want to tamper with it. But as you said there, and I agree with you, they seemed a little bit bored by the whole thing. Isn't it time to at least tweak things a little bit now? Well, they seem to be going through the motions. Yeah. Let's let's be perfectly honest, you know. Now, I would love to see a Hill-Dudley's act, but at this present moment in time, I would, if I was the Fed, I generally wouldn't do that. I would say, well, you know what? They're selling merch. They're really over. Everyone loves doing the WhatsApp and everyone loves doing get the tables. All oh, this other crap that's, you know, really is over. Then why should they consider doing it? I wouldn't consider doing it right now. Maybe after WrestleMania, they probably will need a freshen up because it's like, okay, where the tag team titles are currently sat. Are they going to go back on the Hardys? I would assume so. So are we getting a Hardys-Dudley match at WrestleMania or are we getting something completely different? The, the problem is really that the Fed seems to be booked from week to week at the moment. I don't. I think they have sort of a, a long-term plan, but that necessarily goes out the window if something really gets over. And I just can't see them wanting to change anything about the Dudleys at this present moment in time. And that would be fair. I could see why they would want to. But if we do get to WrestleMania and it is the same shtick, then we've had it unchanged for a good year at that point. And nowadays, a year is effectively a lifetime in wrestling parlance. So I do wonder if at least discussions have been had, although I don't expect to see any changes in the short to medium term future. Up until the last two minutes, this was every elimination tables match you've ever seen in your life. I would have just ditched TNA here, to be honest. I don't mind them. They have their place. They're a decent power outfit, but I really don't see the point of flying them over for this one. 
Edge and Christian, I just find it so hard to be impartial. You know, the guard slips, not that it's on particularly tightly when talking about them. I loved when they went for the was up headbutt. And that spot at the end, which was so good, I actually swallowed the line when trying to talk about it. I'll try and describe it a little better now. So the Dudleys set Edge up for the 3D through the table. They whipped him into the buckles. And almost out of nowhere, Christian flung himself at Edge with a diving clothesline to take him out. The ultimate sacrifice just to try to buy a little bit of extra time and to keep Edge away from the table. As it transpired, he himself was then easy prey for the 3D. Simple stuff, but at the same time, ingenious stuff and completely wasted on a match like this that very few people saw. I do wonder if we get another tables match. Sorry, when we get another tables match in the not too distant, that spot will be repeated and the wider audience it deserves get to enjoy and give it the applause. Otherwise, I'm yeah, I think it's it's as hard as it is for me to try to discuss tables matches that's my job but i know chris white has really started to struggle with these now it feels like he's done 20 of these already this year and this is only the first one i've had to do a play-by-play for and i'm really finding it hard the bloom is off the rose with these now but not for the crowd the crowd still love them as we've just said so they're going to keep churning them out but i don't think a little variety is going to hurt but when it's working, is it really hurting? I can hear you cry. Anyway, every tables match you've ever seen, the Dudleys get the win. Faces go over in the opener, at least. So they got that right. Lita is interviewed backstage. It's her first time in the UK, but she will give Ivory the beating of a lifetime. Stevie is on the mic. Today, the RTC extend the scope of their influence. In the very place they filmed for Full Monty, he says accurately, it is time to say that nudity of any nature is wrong as is having a pub on every street corner. And the monarchy that idly stands by and lets it happen is also wrong. (laughs) Now he's just preaching to the converted. Ivory chimes in and she wisely makes something out of the nasty blow Lita took at her hands last month. She will wear the scars for the rest of her life. Lita is out now and she is right in there with a spear. So away we go for the women's title. Huge cheers for her as her connection to any crowd worldwide is completely unarguable. Snapmare and a dropkick for a sharp two and a side suplex gets the same result. She snaps down the rope, and there goes Stevie, neck first, but that allows Ivory to get off some chops to the chest. Hair toss of doom, because we can never let that one go in a women's match. (sighs) As Stevie dares Lita to look in his eyes, as they will teach her. Leg drop by Ivory for two, and then she goes to work on the left arm, and a beautifully done Northern Lights suplex. Lita rallies with a head scissors and what I will optimistically call a drop kick. <laughs> Twist of fate, but rather than cover, she dives onto Stevie. Sunset flip back in, but Ivory blocks. And of course, old Steve-O recovers to grab her hands and allowing the school mom to secure the win and retain the title. Billy, the second go round for these two on pay-per-view in a matter of weeks. And it was all right. Yeah, Rory, you pretty much nailed it. Eh? It, was, it was all right. I, um... I'd obviously been practicing this match um, on the rest of the tour <laughs> <laughs> because they seem to have nailed everything um, apart from Lita's uh, seated drop kick or whatever she wants to call that. I don't know what she was quite going for there, but yeah, yeah well done. No, um, this was, again, just another hell show style match. The fans were into it, so... 
can I really knock it really badly? No, I won't, because the crowd was invested. Yeah, it wasn't going to be anything special, you know. Let's give it a one star. Let us say <laughs> that it was that. But, you know, it was an easy match and they didn't fuck up. So at least there's that. And, you know, I'm trying to think, like, the last time I was on the show, I had a Divas match. It wasn't particularly great. So there, this was a highlight. It was better than the last one I saw. I can't remember what the match was at Unforgiven in 2000, the women's match. I'm drawing a blank on it. So... Yeah, well done, ladies. Well done. I don't know what else to say. I really don't. <laughs> I'm just reaching for my PWI here. And I will <laughs> search for Unforgiven 2000 or through the kayfabe stuff. Fan favourite rule breaker, all of that. Thank you very much, Mr. Bill. There what, probably what the... wasn't a women's match on there. No, no, Where no, are the match results? That. Let's find out. There was no woman's match on Unforgiven. Well, just scrap everything I just said and <laughs> forget about it. <laughs> it's staying in. It's staying in. Jeez. Maybe maybe you imagined a woman's match there, Billy. It's possible, yes. Um, it's very possible, yes. <laughs> and we've all done that. This was, yeah, this was decent. I think it was better than the Survivor Series match, although that one does have the major caveat that half of Lita's brain was hanging out of her head by the end of it. Um, they are keeping it very simple with Lita at the moment, allowing herself one major botch only per match, which is a decent enough return. But the effort is undeniable she's putting in, as undeniable as her connection with the crowd, as I said in the play-by-play. And if she can just put the basics together, she's, at times in the ring, she's running before she can walk, which is a pity because I think she's got everything else you cannot write nor fake how much everybody loves her in all spheres of pro wrestling fan. Somebody who was just S.A. Rios's valet nine months ago and probably wasn't really meant to amount to anything much at all. You're now easily one of their most overacts and fully deservedly so. Just work a bit harder. I think I would have no real problem with her going around the horn TVs, even a couple more pay-per-views necessarily with Ivory because she's been around the block a bit she knows the score well over 10 years in ring experience just get Lita to do the simple stuff and from there slightly more complex stuff will come in when she's doing those head scissors and that twisting drop kick she's at least a year ahead of herself there maybe even two just slow it down arm locks arm ringers finishing move a neck breaker all the sort of stuff you see in your local gym that's okay the in-ring stuff her at the moment is probably the least important, but she is going to have to start connecting the dots before too long. If she does, then we could be heading to something very, very special with her. But nothing to hate here. It's coming with her. And keep the feud going with Ivory for as long as you can, because I'm enjoying her here at the moment. She's it really, really pains me to say it. The only redeemable aspect of Right to Censor right now. Stevie very much included. Oh, traitor that I am. <laughs> Finally stabbed him in the heart after five and a half years. Wouldn't return my calls. <laughs> what does he expect? <laughs> yes, uh, the others, they, they, RTC have effectively just become what I feared they might, a generic heel group now. Ivory is the only one with any real other aspects to her character, and I can see them withering on the vine before too long. 
Anyway, enough of such talk. It's time for an interview with The Rock. And he finds pronouncing Sheffield much easier than he did Birmingham last year. <laughs> Listen to our Rebellion 99 show for what I mean. He tells us that tonight the title will change hands, to which the attendees don't really react. So now I know what John Virgo means when he talks about the knowledgeable crucible crowd. Rock is an equal opportunist. Angle can have either the front or the back of his hand as he lays the smack all over his candy bum. And I fear that reference fell flatter, but he would have liked as well. But he does mention Father Christmas to pull it back in. However, he still says cookies and milk, but overall the effort was there. We are then quickly out with the usual. Yeah, Billy, not one for the rock pantheon here. <laughs> uh, it's not going to be one that's going to end up on any highlight reel in 20 years time now, is it, Rory? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Maybe he was jet lagged, you know. Um, I'll stick up for the rock. Um, Although my friends seem to enjoy it because okay. it's The Rock. So he did his job and the crowd really ate it up. So well done, Rocky. I think, <laughs> to steady on, I think we can allow Rocky one or two, as we say. But I think well done is pushing it a little bit. I don't know what else to say. No, it's, it's just a, a <laughs> poor promo that he thought he could sleep his way through and even even the greats still have to bring it so to speak every so often but again i don't think it's going to affect rock standing with many people too often so he hasn't done think... sorry he hasn't done enough coke before Andy, sorry, so. <laughs> yeah he needed to talk about eating a garage or something then we really <laughs> yes i did watch SummerSlam 89 last night what of it hardcore title perry saturn versus steve blackman Saturn jumps him, literally, he really did take off before the bell, and goes to town nice and early. Taz says this match will be a rocket buster. So there you go, Billy. <sighs> Good luck making that one happen, Peter. Saturn and these Blackman to the outside and then leaps onto him over the top rope. Cover on the outside for nothing, and then Steve blocks a suplex on the mats. Back in, and now Blackman grabs what I hope the commentary team will call a rubbish bin, but no joy. Metal shelf to the head. For a two count. Okay. Blackman hits the can, sat up in the ropes, but can kick out out of the cover before three. He then belts the lethal weapon with the shelf, but not enough for the win. Backslide, okay, by Blackman for a near fall, and then a crucifix, uh, by Saturn for the same. Time and a place, gents. Time and a place. Saturn tries another leap through the ropes, but that blasted shelf gets, well, blasted onto him. <coughs> Fire extinguisher gets a courtesy pop and then a good old chair is brought into play. Our first, air, our first air horn of the night goes off, let it be the last, as Steve drop-toe holds Perry into the chair. It's kendo time this Saturday and then the mix of the same name. Low blow by Saturn and an inside cradle. Just swing the bloody chair, man. Foolishly, Saturn takes my advice. Never do that as it gets kicked back into his face, and Blackman is still our hardcore champ. Billy, this was every hardcore title match you've ever seen in your life. Uh, pretty much, yes. Um, <laughs> it was the same old rubbish. Um, I, I saw a, a hardcore match at Uncensored uh, in 1999, which really pissed me off. I thought it was like kind of a parody of hardcore wrestling. But this was even bloody worse. Um, it was... I, I, I like Perry. He's, he's got good facials and everything, and uh, I hope he does well in the Fed, but I don't think they see him anything more than a hardcore wrestler, which is a damn shame because he, like I said, he's got really good facials. He's pretty good in the ring. 
But this match, again, it was just a hell show style match. They seemed to go through the motions. And you know what? The crowd actually started to not really care either. The only thing they really popped for was the weapon shots. And so, obviously, the weapon shots are more over than the wrestlers, which is a, a, a damn show. Yeah, and they're trying to add some authenticity with it with Blackman being the hardcore title. I think he's doing an okay job at that, but the hardcore title has dipped back into its default area, which is a lull at best. It seems to pick up every three or four months for a period of a couple of weeks, then just dims into irrelevant shit again. And I think it's going to take a lot to drag it out of those doldrums this time. Perry Saturn is fine enough in this it's one of those he's he's wasted wherever you put him i can never see a place for him in a company like the wwf up the card but i feel like he's you're not getting the best out of him in five minute hardcore junkets and so what do you do what do you do with him really pair him with terry oh but they've already done that (laughs) cross that one off then i like blackman but does he want to be doing here doing this for the rest of his life you know again i fear he will be as well i can't see him anywhere else so these two are just stuck in limbo really and it's a hardcore title match something else that probably needs to be altered for the sake of the purist but are the purists being listened to and again very fair question i'm going to ask should they be? And yes, Billy, I include you and I in that. <laughs> it's our fault. We pay. We, we read too much into this stuff. We Just do. I can enjoy it. Yeah. Stupid smarks. <laughs> Damn us and our smarky ways. <laughs> I should say only Billy so far has tried to star rate one of these matches. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm such a bastard. <laughs> Can't help yourself. Uh, what have we got now? Uh, Taz. Yes. Oh, great. Taz incorrectly calls Regal the hometown boy. If anybody out there fancies explaining the War of the Roses to him one day, please be my guest. But when we cut to the interview, the crowd give Regal a rollicking fine pop. Jolly good show. He starts cutting a proper old face promo for a while until he questions the Britishness of Lennox Lewis. Easy now. He didn't need to go there. He doesn't think much of Frank Bruno or the actual hometown boy, Prince Nassim Hamed, either. Disappointingly, he brings up poor dental hygiene, and I think we all know who gave him that one. But he does mention the doll. And no, I am not so sure why I'm so pleased about that one there either. <laughs> now, I finished my university course in two years. <laughs> so get used to it then, Rory. Is so, that what you're yeah. trying to tell me? <laughs> uh, the sunlit uplands of the rock and roll in the summer of 2003. Bring it on. JR tries to play up that Crash gets a bigger reaction than Regal, but he's not right. Maybe now he takes the mic, they can get what they're looking for, and they do, a bit, by him saying he would get a better reaction for Austin and The Rock. It worked, but let's face it, that's pretty low-hanging fruit. Crash then attacks, and here we are for the European title. Head scissors by Crash, but then he hits the post, and Regal with a drop powerbomb right out of the gate for a two. Jesus. Back elbow and a wave to the crowd, which again gets predominantly cheered, and a great suplex for two followed by a series of unsuccessful pin attempts. Swish rolling cradle by Crash nearly gets the win. That was nice. But so is Regal's knee to the face. Hard chops to the back and the face and a fold over back suplex. He then wrenches on a reverse chin lock. That's how you do it with a bit of rope assistance. But he gets backslid and rolled up for some twos. 
Lovely Rana by Crash gets the same, but he then eats canvas when going for a leapfrog. Regal with a cover off that and a count of three. Okay, but Crash had his feet on the ropes. While the ref has a natter with th- about things just in general with Tony Chimmel, Regal does similar with Molly. She responds by drop kicking him off the top rope. And whilst Tony is telling us the match has been restarted, a cover and a count and a victory and a title change all take place. <laughs> timing, guys, timing. Regal pinches the belt and makes off with it anyway. So I wonder if that title change will even be ratified. Look, Billy, a, a thing happened on this show. I can't believe it, Rory. I'm shocked. I I literally nearly fell off my sofa. (laughs) No, I didn't. I didn't really. I was just like, okay, they've done a title switch. And I don't even know if they're going to acknowledge it on TV. Will they? I hope so. They're giving them the room not to, aren't they? With Regal running off with it. uh, Yes. And that was kind of the worrying thing. Um, But although, you know, thank God for William Regal and his expert promo skills, you know. It was actually quite a highlight to see him uh, take a shot at Prince Lucene Hamid and Frank Bruno walk, and like Lennox Lewis. Talk like a champion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know one of my friends who's a big boxing fan. That really pissed him off. And I was like, well, you know, <laughs> at least it's done its job. Uh, as for the match itself, you know, it's William Regal. He could have uh, not have a bad match. It's just impossible for him to have it. Um Crash seemed to be pretty good as the underdog babyface. The crowd kind of got behind him. There was a few smarks in the crowd, obviously, uh, because there were still cheers for Mr. Regal. But um, it was nice to see a little title change. Um, I I was quite shocked. But um, like I say, it does worry me that it won't even be acknowledged on TV or who who knows where they're going with that. But um, I paid 14 quid for this title change. I was quite happy with it <laughs> <laughs> uh, worth every last groat wasn't it yeah it's it's good for the live crowd to get these title changes it's good to get it i will find out on the wwf show the proper one as i keep calling it whether this title change counted or not the match was fun and crash was game in this one i'm pleased to say and he's somebody else who i do wonder they might i wouldn't go as far to say he needs repackaging but his probably a little bit of value another role other than, well, Elroy Jetson. <laughs> okay. Jericho got there a year ahead of me, but if, if the cap fits and all that, literally. <laughs> what you say about Regal is interesting, Billy. We talked about this on the Survivor Series show last month. Dan yeah. and I were in semi-agreement on this. Regal, as a worker, has no equal. There's nobody like him. His style, in North America at least, is total anathema. As such, as much as I love watching what he can do in the ring, it does often mean, especially in a place like the WWF, let's face it, that he's not going to get the star rating return that somebody (laughs) of his ability deserves because it's so hard for anybody to connect with him on that level. Having somebody try to do the plucky baby face around him, that could be it. Crash might have accidentally stumbled on something here. And if you have Regal trying to wrestle successfully wrestling rings around somebody, but then getting a little too casual, a little too cocky and then getting caught, that could be a way to really unlock the door for Regal to start getting towards 
the upper rungs of the ladder for match quality that somebody of his undoubted ability should be hitting regularly. But I think that's probably a discussion for another day, really. Just throwing it out there. Let's see how Regal goes over the next three to six months. Uh, I always like seeing Crash. They've got something with Molly, too. Not saying break up that partnership, anything like it. But with Crash's... Am I going to go there? Yes, deceptive versatility, if that's not being a little too kind in the ring, could be something in the future as well. Well done, Crash. I hope you are still European champion by the time this show goes out. Well, somehow I doubt it. Backstage, Kurt Angle pleads with Chris Benoit to give him some support during tonight's four-way world title match. And it looks as though he might have just got through to him. Next up is our quote-unquote very emotional tag match pitting China and Billy Gunn versus Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko. Well, I was emotional by the end of it, but probably not for the reason. And I'm going to be very honest about this. When the video package was running, I went out and fed the cats. So there you go. <laughs> I'm sure they were happier than you were. for <laughs> Without a doubt. I was tempted just to sit down and join them. You know. uh, tuna flavour Felix over this match. It's a no-brainer. I would have taken it, mate, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> but let's do it. Eddie, of the match, that is. Eddie with a drop kick to the knee, as he, understandably, wants this one done early. Tilt a while slam by Billy, though. And now, as it is a Saturday night here in the UK, I really can call him Bobby Davro. But I'm not sure who that would make Eddie Guerrero. Bob Carroll, geez, maybe? Oh, God. But then, by, by association, that would make Dean Malenko spit the dog and... Yeah, let's carry on before I bring China to play. What I think about that, or don't. Billy Rory, who is getting these references, man? Who's getting them? <laughs> Some might say I don't know my audience, Billy. And they probably, I really, I remember um, during the SummerSlam 97 show, Bob Bamber, lest we forget, said we should send out a crib sheet whenever I'm on these programs for our US listeners. I really need to start taking him up on that one. Uh, you Faces in to send the heels into each other, but a double gorilla press slam. The legal combatants are now China and Dean. Hip toss and clothesline for a near fall. Dean tries a clover leaf, but China counters to a clover for two. I think that should be a inside cradle, not a clover. See, feeding the cats. Handspring back elbow and China needs to stop doing that. As she then gets sent face first to the canvas from the outside by Eddie. He then kicks away at his former squeeze as the heels assume control. Another messy spot, I'm afraid, as China, I think, tries a sunset flip, but Eddie cuts it off with boots. I don't think anybody really knew what the plan was there. Dean does get low blowed. They got that right. And that is enough for a double down. Billy gets the hot tag and does what he can do and can do only. Twas ever thus. Power slam to Dean and Eddie has to break up the count. Jackhammer by the one and now he calls for the famouser. We get it. But once more, Guerrero is there before the three. Sleep, sleeper slam by Billy, though. And well, that is it. What a bizarre finish. That was just went home in the last 10 seconds. Number one, they need to stop trying to get that sleeper slam thing over as a finisher because it isn't. And two, Billy, well, I was going to say this one fell apart at the end, but that would imply it was ever together at any point, And it was <laughs> It was never together, Rory. It's never. Bad, bad, bad match. As soon as I saw Eddie Guerrero wrestling in a T-shirt, I was like, OK, yeah, <laughs> he knows that this is nothing more than a house show and he's not going to give a fuck. Sorry, I shouldn't swear so much, but this Go was ahead. just... Just, oh, it's, it was like they started the match and it was like, right, OK, let's get to the heat as soon as possible. 
okay, let's get to the finish as soon as possible as well <laughs> towards the end. And China showed up, but she didn't even bother bringing her gear. Nope. So no one gave her a rat's ass. But again, the crowd were responding to everything that was happening. So, you know what? Why should they bother? Why should they bother to, to come along and put on a, a, any decent match when they know the crowd are going to respond anyway? So, I don't, I don't know what else to say about this match. It was a health show style match and it existed and it means nothing in the long term uh, canon to the WWF. In a match that supposedly has storyline leanings to the point it had a three minute <laughs> video package, just meaningless. And I repeat, outright bad in a match featuring Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenka on the same team for a match to be bad. Oh, sticks in my craw, I tell you. But I've got to be honest with you, listeners. I can't cherry, cherry coat? No, so I can't have a mix of them. <laughs> sugar coat. There we go. Cherry pick and sugar coat. It was, it was a horrible mess. China is regressing in the ring. This is from where she was. So just think about that for a second. Billy Gunn always has been just Billy Gunn. He has his supporters here on our podcast. I know uh, Davinda is a big fan, probably has one or two others as well. And I understand why. But he's just, we said it four years ago, he's just the hot tag man. And okay, that's what he did here. And for those 30 seconds, it was all right, wasn't it? Everything he had to do in the previous 10 minutes, uh, that ending was ridiculous. And he breaks up the pin, but he just gets lightly tossed to the outside. So he can't break up the pin the second time. No, not having that. Not having that at all. The first and probably the only match I can say is properly bad on this show. But irrelevant house show or not, any time where Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko cook up a bad match has to be a worry. Especially as they are the sort of people who will not be given that many chances by the powers that be, unfortunately. Talking of obscure references, Billy, some bloke yes. called Dan Valinka, is that his name? I've Even never, I have never heard of no, him. Like no, never heard of him. He is apparently our representative carrying out crowd interviews. Completely new on me. Dan, if you're listening, get in touch. <laughs> Tell Who us what you? you do. Tell us what you do, man. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Who are you? Who are you? He talks to people who have travelled from Wakefield and Birmingham. And let's just say that said crowd members should not apply to be travel ambassadors for said cities. I go to university in Wakefield. I am from Birmingham. Just saying. Y2J plays it safe by welcoming us to England is Jericho. He then walks into a trap by calling the Union flag the Union Jack. That, of course, is only if it is flown from a ship. His red and black analogy with Kane therefore doesn't really work either. But, you know, the plane journey over was only 10 hours. So Kane versus Jericho again. Y2J does at least bring the brains, unlike me, by attacking Kane early doors. But the strikes don't really go anywhere. Springboard dropkick might be more like it, though, as might a headfirst trip to the steps. Jericho up top but gets caught going for a press and is power slammed down hard. I think that might be Kane's best move, you know. Big press slam, and there's Yoli Hangman. Well, well, and Jericho's sell on that is very good. He kicks off the buckles and catches Kane in the package for a quick two, but equally quickly gets knocked down over and over and over. Choke bomb by the Demon scores him a two. Huge side slam, that's a nice move as well. And now he climbs the ropes. 
Jericho is ahead of the game and crotches him down, but no superplex as he gets thrown off the top. Kane still can't hit the clothesline as Jericho drop kicks him on the landing. Enziguri by Y2J, and now he heads up. He gets off the drop kick, but not enough for a victory. Roll up via the buckles for two, and now sort of the walls of Jericho, but you need more than that here. Maybe a lion salt, but Kane gets the knees up, and then the chokeslam. And right now it is indeed the chokeslam getting the clean and decisive win for the monster. Mm. Enough so to make me wish this was a proper pay-per-view, as that would probably end this program. <laughs> Instead, Jericho attacks Kane with a chair from behind, like the model babyface he is, and puts on the walls too. Sorry, Rory, this feud must continue. Billy. <sighs> well, you know, I like Chris Jericho. I like Kane. I was expecting something half decent here. Unfortunately, didn't really get that. Um, even Jericho seemed to phone it in with his promo. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's made the 10-hour trip. He was probably very, very tired. He, he knows he's got to be on Raw on Monday. Um, again, you know, this match would be perfectly fine if it was on Heat and it was the Heat main event. But on your UK pay-per-view, which, again, I'm paying £14 for, I just want to make that quite clear. But that's what I did. I felt a bit ripped off that these two kind of... I don't want to say it, but they did. They phoned it in, and they worked a pretty safe style. There's no point in getting injured. No one's going to know that this show existed in the U.S. anyway. So, you know, they, they did what they had to do. The U.K. fans were were into it at the time. Again, you know, the, the crowd was into it, so why should they do anything more than they need to do? And... Uh, I get. I just. I feel like I'm repeating myself with the same old, same old rubbish. But this is what they gave to me to basically review. <laughs> we can only comment on what we see. Yeah, Maybe, I don't. You know. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're doing your best. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm reaching for words here. You're doing all right, right. Billy. Billy, you're 14 pounds lighter. You, we've got to factor that in here as well. I have to work six hours at McDonald's for that. That's a lot of money. <laughs> Uh, 14 sobs for this god stroll on yeah see this is where i would be happier or at least more content if they put guys like this who aren't oh sorry who are actually wish they weren't who really are actually feuding and kept them apart on shows that don't matter like this because otherwise this is for those who have the misfortune of following this stuff every single week like me it's just added to the feud and when i come to eventually review the kane jericho feud and i can't wait to do that i will be this match will be part of my final reckoning spoiler alert it's going to be way down there (laughs) i don't reckon anything different than it being pretty rubbish we don't do worst feud of the year on our award show but if we did i think this might be in the running as much as they try to tell us it wasn't, they doth protest too much. This feud started over a spilt cup of coffee. The fact that every week they try to tell us, oh, it's nothing to do with coffee at all, they give themselves away. And I detest this babyface version of Chris Jericho. I really do. The I turned to the dark side and I liked it. That is not Chris Jericho. He is a wise ass joke cracking baby face 
That is why people wanted to cheer him and why he was smoking over March, April, May time. He is not late 97 Steve Austin. Don't try and make him like that. And it's he's just a sword loser when he attacks Kane from behind with a chair. That's not attitude. That's not edgy. That's just bad sportsmanship. He lost clean as a whistle with the chug slam. I don't these these new heady days that we live in where it's all shades of grey and good is bad and bad is good. If you hit somebody in the back with a chair who has beaten you in a pro wrestling match, that is that is not one for the code of honour, I'm afraid. And Jericho needs to get out of this feud and get out of this it fast, because otherwise he might find again, I'm not sure how many supporters he really has behind the scenes. He might find him find himself slipping down and down and down even further. And I don't think he can afford that at this stage. Lita helps herself to an apple flavor tango as Trish mocks <laughs> her for a defeat earlier. And she then ends up getting said beverage thrown in her face. We don't get a Ray Wilkins voiceover. There you go, Billy. There's another one. But we do see Trish take a ride on a flight case and interrupt a changing ivory. Bloomers may or may not have been involved. Taz tries his luck with Rocket Buster again and fails even more as the Hardys dash to the ring for their title contest against RTC's The Good Father and Bull Buchanan. The Hardys pose early, but the RTC aren't having any of that nonsense. But they get dived on over the top rope anyway. So the Hardys have another go. Let's start proper with Jeff and Bull. Jeff puts on the brakes from an Irish whip. I feel like we've seen that a lot today and gets off a head scissors and that. He then gets wiped out in the heel corner. Good father in. And that's all I have on that until Bull is back back in. Yes, that's where we are. Jeff falls into Bull. Yes, falls into him and tags Matt. Not sure what that was about. Matt sends Goodfather out and is about to go for the twist of fate, but then Goodfather is in with the belt. Matt ducks, though. A bit early in the match for that spot. Matt then up for the yodeling leg drop, but Val at ringside pulls him off the cover. He then calls on Goodfather to punish him. Oh, don't worry, he will. And the rest of us. Matt with a DDT, but he can't quite get to Jeff to make the cover. Wright misses a corner charge, and now Jeff is in. Very nice double whisper in the wind, and now both heels get poetry in motion. Duh. Mo- poetry in motion. Uh, now, motion's not a verb. So never mind. Twist of fate by Matt. I tried. Twist of fate by Matt <laughs> now. And there is the swanton. But the ref is distracted by the fighting non-legal men. So Val Venus, why is he still called that? Is there with the money shot. Why is it still called that? And Jeff is then easy prey for a cover and a defeat. Billy, don't worry. We're almost at the end now. Oh, <laughs> my notes, my notes are getting shorter and shorter. My some are mine. I, like, I've got re- I've got nothing on this match. There's nothing rememberable about it whatsoever. Uh, oh, I, I don't I, I don't know what to say. It was again another hell show style match. The in ring was poor. The go home that was fine. I expected there to be a cheap finish with Val Venus at ringside. You could see it all coming and. Again, the crowd ate it up and they really enjoyed it. So <laughs> what else do I have to say about it? I just I I'm racking my brain on what to say. Billy, how much did you spend on this show? <laughs> I spent 14 pounds. Really? Like, 14 I, pounds? Wow. I don't think I've mentioned that yet. You? <laughs> <laughs> the things you learn. Yeah, I, I I I just can't. As the call could say at this point. <laughs> I just can't. It's. 
I can just feel. I can feel my own cogs being turned by a foreign hand when I'm or worse when I'm watching this particular. It's just and it's a shame because the Hardys. I don't think there's anybody listening to this program who dislikes the Hardys. I think it's impossible to do so. Again, whatever your sphere of wrestling fandom, the Hardys are there on it. I think next year could could really really be their year. But these are just fucking bumps on the road. And again, the RTC. These are the dregs of the RTC. Uh, that's that's. I'm going to give the listeners a couple of seconds to just work that one out. The dregs of the RTC. Okay, we're somewhere near the Earth's core at this point, aren't we? Let's move on. Let's move on. In fact, no, not one more. Just one more. Why <laughs> haven't they? Just to make it pretend I care about them. Why haven't they changed Val Venus's name and his finishing move? Why is he still called Val Venus? Well, they changed the, go- the Godfather's name. Why can't exactly they call him- the good? Okay, the good father. Good name change. Yes. Good name change. So Val what Venus, they didn't even try. What are we giving Val's new name? Uh, Pal Enus? <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't work, does it? <laughs> That's far too creative for them. The only thing they have done with Val differently is dressing him up as an ice cream man. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Maybe, he just gets... the... <clears throat> gone. Maybe he could be the ice cream man. Oh, Billy Johnson, creative genius. Move over, Stephanie. There we are. <laughs> Go away, Stephanie. Give me book. <laughs> As if you would book somebody being dropped 40 feet in a fucking car and then emerge with not even a plaster on their head a week later. But I'd definitely book an ice cream man versus Kane <laughs> in an <laughs> ice cream on a pole match. No, no, uh, no, no, I can't think of it. No, I give up. I, I'm not doing that. Oh, you bet you were almost there. Everybody, make his a 99. He deserves it. (laughs) Undertaker eyes his opponent, Chris Benoit, in the back, but then he gets pummeled in the back by the rest of the Radicals. I'm having that one. (laughs) So when Benoit's (laughs) little victories. So when Benoit is out for the match, he is able to tell us Taker left his badass back in America. Mm, Okay, I'll let Benoit have that one too. He calls for a forfeit, and although we have to endure American badass twice... Sorry, Lacey, I did say endure, not enjoy. He might well get it. But no, third time unlucky. Here comes a limping undertaker. Clearly not 100%. Clearly at a disadvantage. Clearly going to win the fucking thing. (laughs) Benoit does his best to prove me wrong by focusing in on the injured leg. But he eats the buckles for his trouble. Another press slam today and taker almost remembers to sell the limb. I guess we should be thankful. He walks the ropes without any issue whatsoever, and bless JR trying to cover for him, and we are straying very close to Rory Rant territory here, because we really need that tonight. Benoit with a press attempt, but he gets caught and sent back first into the steel ring post on the outside. Bear hug, he knew it was coming, and boot to the face. That too. Benoit fights the power slam and gives us a low drop kick to the left knee. He continues to go after it, including a very nifty selection of leg grapevines, step over toe holds and Indian death locks. This man truly can do it all. He also cuts off every Taker attempted cover, too. That's going to cost him. Taker eventually does execute a reversal, but Benoit is able to get to the ropes. German suplex by the Wolverine and right back to the knee he goes. Up top now and a diving headbutt to the knee. Yikes. 
Figure of four leg lock now, an undertaker with a quick cradle. But that sort of thing only ever means a two count. Ah, bollocks. Billy. <laughs> well, as soon as they um, got on the plane for the 10-hour play ride, I think um, one of the road agents said to take her, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a really good match for Chris Benoit. He was like, no, nah, I think I'm just going to take it easy, do what i got to do. <laughs> And he went back to drinking his Jack Daniels and dropping his Sumas, and I'm sure he was a happy lad when he got to play. Because <laughs> this match was dull as dishwater. Like, I wanted to like it. I really did. It's The Undertaker and Chris Benoit, you know. That's a that's a great match. You put that on a, on a show, I will watch it. But Jesus, no, this was just so boring. I could get the fact that they wanted to do, you know, Taker was hurt. And you're going to do Chris Benoit's going to zero in on the knee. It was all good, very good psychology. But look, it, it was just boring. It was just really boring. And maybe it was the fact that I'd sat through so much trash that I, I didn't want to enjoy it. I, I don't know. But your match review of it was a hell of a lot better than <laughs> what <laughs> actually you. happened in the ring. It was more, you, you, what you said was a hell of a lot more enjoyable than what actually happened. But. Here we go. You know, they did this match. And again, it was a, a safe health show match that <laughs> I paid £14 for. <laughs> <laughs> Move over, Bob Colling. We have a competitor. Yeah, um, I'm very much at the denial stage still, really, Undertaker. So I am not even going to discuss him this time. There is a reason why on our Survivor Series, Survivor Series show, bust five times dan welling last month said that we should keep rory away from the wwf programs lest the undertaker appear on them he's right but i'm gonna try to spare the listeners my patience are gonna snap at some point everybody <laughs> next time i'm on a fed show and fucking callaway is on there fully loaded it's gonna look like a walk in the park i tell you so <laughs> let's just try find edification where we can and briefly talk about benoit his amazing work was completely wasted in this match and it felt boring through no fault of his because Undertaker oh, there I go, didn't try to sell it, didn't try to do anything with it and was just marking time for obvious three count. I've talked about him too much already. Let's talk about Benoit specifically now while we still can, Billy, while we still have the, the praying course, ends yeah. of our sanity. Where does he go after this? Because on the show last month, again, we had a discussion, uh, Chris Dan and myself, uh, we bit a bit bit of a disagreement on this. We right. sort of thought that Benoit being back with the radicals in the main mm. is a demotion for him. I believe, or at least want to believe, he's still a an associate member and that he's with them when he needs to be, but can be broken off for more important stuff. Where do you think he goes next year? Well, God, you know, this year he's obviously been aligned with Shane McMahon and he failed twice, even though he did win the title, but he didn't win the title. And now they've put him back with the Radicals. And yeah, it does seem like it's kind of a demotion. It's a push back down the card. Now, Chris White came up with a great idea, him, uh, Chris Benoit and Mick Foley at WrestleMania. That'd yes. be a great way to push him up the card. But I don't think they actually want to do that. I think they thought, you know what, we've got everything we can out of Chris as a top guy. He's not the WWF champion. He never will be. He's kind of at his level. He's a good upper mid-carder. But that's about as far as I think they want to go with him. And it is a bit of a shame 
because you could say Chris easily could hang with the main eventers, but where, where do they go with him for WrestleMania? I, I'm, I'm afraid he's going to be probably stuck with the Radicals in some mm-hmm. meaningless eight-man tag, and it's a shame. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, coming around to that view now, to be honest. I Because the WWF don't have a official unspoken work rate division in the way that WCW at least did mm-hmm. and ECW did a few years ago. So you can't really just branch Benoit off and just have him 15, 20 minute Matt classics with guys in the middle of the card. Nobody would like to see that more than me, believe me, but it isn't going to happen. So if he's, so he can't do that. So there are two more things you do with him. A, you push him back up to the main events, but I think his sniffing of that in July, September is the closest he's going to get there for a good while. Or you do have him bumming around with the radicals in not especially relevant six-man, eight-man tags like they were doing the early part of the year when they first came in. He's he's too good, almost. I mean, I'm far from a WWF hater. I wouldn't buy After this show, my opinions <laughs> might change. But, you know, I'm not one of those people who say, oh, the WWF don't care about pro wrestling. They're just Barnum and Bailey Circus Entertainment Company. That's going way, way too far with it. I'm not one of those basement dwellers. But at the same time, when you've got an exceptional worker like Chris Benoit, and by your own very nature, you can't really let him be what he is. And it's up to you to decide what you want him to be. And neither of those options really appeal. And again, where are you going to go with it? And it's going to be fascinating, if not necessarily satisfying, to see how Benoit goes up to WrestleMania and beyond. Well, hopefully, jobbing in 10 minutes to The Undertaker is now already been ticked off the list. Final match, Billy, of this show. We'll hey. <laughs> be back on the fosters before long. Fatal four-way for the WWF title. Kurt Angle defending versus The Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin and Rikishi. Ah. They're still trying. He's out first as well. And then Kurt Angle is out second. Right. Followed by The Rock and Austin. Equal pop between them, I'd say. Maybe Austin just the more, but it was very close. Anyway, now we are ready to rock. Okay. Save the show, boys. No pressure. Austin (laughs) goes after Angle in the ring. And there is the spine buster. Cool. Fucking hell. Steady on. Two count there. Suplex by Austin for the same. And I rather suspect Austin likes working with the Olympic hero. He then has a go at Rikishi on the outside as a Samoan drop by The Rock also gets a close count on the champ. He then sends Angle all the way to the outside. Now the faces have their fun at Rikishi's expense. Deep breath. Shared punches and shots there as Angle tries to escape, but The Rock curtails that with the minimum of fuss. Does press to Rikishi and a cover, but that doesn't get it done. And the same for Angle too. Diving clothesline by Rock to Big Rick, but he responds with a behind to the front. And Rikishi, Rikishi, whatever you're called, please (laughs) stop doing the stink face. It is not a heel move. Thank you. Rock stops it there anyway, but you get it. Spinebuster by the Rock, and now he calls for the people's elbow, and he gets it. One, two, angle in for the save. Then Austin prevents any sneaky cover. 
Rikishi escapes his pin just as I'm typing the previous sentence. Wow. Kurt would have choked the Brahma Bull as Rikishi works over Stone Cold. But the fan favourites take charge, and now they are the only people left in the ring. <laughs> After a frank exchange of views, they go at it, and boy, do the fans want to see this. Austin with the stunner, and Rock with that cell. One, two, Angle stops it again. And Rikishi can't quite steal a win either. Austin now sends both down heel. <laughs> okay, no. Austin now sends down both heels with a clothesline. Yes, I was typing quickly. But while he stomps a mud hole in the champ, Rock waylays and again gets a rock bottom. One. Two. No, now Rikishi pulls the ref out. And due to that, an angle slam can only get a delayed two. Oh, my days. Roll up by Austin now, and that only gets two. Edge and Christian are here to help out, and just as well, because Edge stops Rock pinning Rikishi after a rock bottom. And now the Radicals are here. But Austin with a stunner, but again, Eddie and co. stop that pin. Now Angle with the Olympic slam to Rikishi, and with everybody finally tied up, we do have a three count. Austin, uh, no, fucking hell, Angle. <laughs> a title thinking, change? On as much show. as I love Austin, yeah, fucking drop the title change in here. As much as I love Angle, I felt I needed a title change here. No, no, no. Kurt Angle does retain the world title after all. Oh, my giddy aunt. Afterwards, it takes them a bit of time, but Rock and Austin do manage to see off the Radicals and the other heels. And after another tense moment is teased, no heel turn. We just finish with a toast. Ah, isn't that nice? You know they're in Britain because the Budweiser cans they are <laughs> from are 500 millilitres. Yeah, try and spill those ones and get away with it, Austin. <laughs> We're watching you. Billy. What do you want me to say? <laughs> I want you to just try to describe to me your thoughts on this fatal four-way match for the WWF title, if you please. <laughs> Damn, Rory, you ask such hard things of me to do. <laughs> I test you out. Um, I actually kind of enjoyed, like, the vignettes throughout the night with Kurt Angle, pleading with the Radicals and Edge and Christian to come and help him. But you kind of knew that, that there was going to be interference, there was going to be shenanigans, and that was how he was going to retain the title, because there was no chance in hell they were doing a title switch here in on this show, anyway. Um, it would have been lovely for the UK fans if they did get that, but that never, ever happens on one of these UK-only pay-per-views. As for the match itself, it was 10 minutes long, like seven minutes of it. You didn't need to pay attention because you were just waiting for the run-ins and the finish. And uh, like the closing stretch was actually quite enjoyable. And... Um, I did like the little tease at the end. I, I would assume they're building to Rock and Austin at some point next year. I don't know when that'll be. Um, who knows? Who knows when they're going to do that? So, yeah, the match it was it was okay. It was <laughs> the crowd loved it. It was a hell show style match, and I paid fourteen pounds for this. What else do you want me to say? <laughs> How much? Fourteen oh. pounds. <laughs> How much? That's the problem you me right there. Okay, I so help me really quite enjoyed this. I think the seventh pint of Hofmeister was hitting at this point, so I would have taken anything. <laughs> but I'm going to give all four guys, yes, Rikishi included, a fair whack of credit here. 
it is disgraceful that they were only given eight and a half minutes for this match. That is a bloody crime for a fatal four-way between three of your biggest names and somebody you are gamely attempting to put in that lofty company. It's not going to work, but never mind. Eight and a half minutes for a main event with these people. Comical. So what they did, and they deserve praise for this, they just went for it and blasted through the action. You can tell by how all over the shop my notes were. They were just so difficult to follow. But that's not a criticism. We talk about all action matches probably a bit too often. But this really was all action right from the bell. Bam, spinebuster. Bam, stunner. Bang, angle slam. All the big moves, all the big attempted covers. There, 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 there. It wasn't especially subtle. It didn't tick many boxes from an aesthetical standpoint. But when you know that the world title isn't going to change here and everybody to every man jack of them in the crowd knew that wasn't going to happen, they just ratcheted up what went on in this one and they kept it hot from first bell to the last Okay, the first bell was still vibrating by the time the last bell rang after eight minutes, but you get the picture. So, yeah, they didn't dog it here. They thought, you're not giving us that much time. We might as well just go as balls to the wall as we can. And well done, everybody involved. We talk about people phoning it in on these shows. We've done it a lot on this one, and rightly so. I don't think that's the case here. It's one of those where if they had... Nobody would really have minded because they've got very much bigger fish to fry on Raw and on a proper pay-per-view just eight days after this. But they gave the fans something and they, when they probably didn't really need to. And that's what we mean when we talk about an entertainment company. It's people who have paid 14. Can you believe it, Billy? Some people paid £14 for this show. Oh, paid, really? I paid £14? <laughs> you know, the people who did this, this just gave them a little something. And it's one of those where if this had been a genuine pay-per-view main event, I would have been hopping mad about it. Uh, so much of this show really fucked me off as it was. I'm actually prepared to just let it go just a little bit. But please do not get into the habit of eight and a half minute main events, especially multi-man for the WWF title. And Billy, that brings us quickly, well, albeit really not quickly enough, an hour and 15 minutes <laughs> to the end of our review. If you can even call it a review of Rebellion 2000. It is customary now, my friend, to ask you to sum up your thoughts and give me a score rating out of 10. So, yeah, I might not have mentioned this, but I paid £14 for this show. Did you really? Wow. I know. Shocking, right? Um, <laughs> right, all jokes aside, you know what? I, I'm i not going to say I had fun. I am definitely not going to use that while <laughs> watching that, this show. But do you know what? It was, it was a good Saturday night bit of wrestling on the television, you know, with your mates. It, it, it was okay. I get why people go and buy them and want to watch them i would never go and buy this on a video cassette just just don't whatever you do don't because you'll be disappointed and i know that uh, you know uh, the interactions and the rebellions the, the vhs that i've hit tend to do pretty well so but if i was you i would stay away from it um have i got to give this thing a star rating <laughs> a rating out of 10 billy 
Ah, right. Uh, so okay. you, you, you just can't help yourself, can you? I can't help myself. <laughs> I'm such a smart guy. <laughs> um, so if I was to give this thing a little uh, rating out of 10, um, I think Road Wild 98 I was very, very low on. Um, I think I gave that like a two or three. Um, I, I wouldn't go that low on this show. Let's just give it a four out of ten. Let's be nice because I, I was drugged by the time the main event hit. And <laughs> <laughs> it was probably better than, <laughs> than what I thought it was. So, yeah, let's just, just say four out of ten. Four out of ten. Four out of ten. I make that with a quick bit of mass that is probably wrong. Three yeah. pounds, 66 for every score point you gave it. Oh, thank you, Rory. You've That's probably wrong. Somebody, somebody's going to wrong. In fact, you know what? That is wrong, but fuck it. I'm not going to work it out. <laughs> some spark on their computer is going to be like, hey, you got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually way wrong on it, but never mind. Um, yeah, but I'm with you on a four. This was not a four out of ten show. <laughs> no. I, I'm robbing myself, really, just in the way you robbed yourself of 14 pounds. But <laughs> you've got to take into consideration the caveat that this isn't meant for any body other than the starved of pro wrestling as we still like to be known as uk audience even though we now do get raw and smackdown every week in the week they happen we yeah. get to see every pay-per-view for free we get to see every pay-per-view chopped up badly by channel four but that's a discussion for another day but uh, <laughs> don't want to depress myself any further but it's a live event it's on a saturday night as you say nobody's stock is really going to go up or down as a result of this. It's relatively short. It only clocked in at about two hours, 20. It's harmless enough. And this is the type of pay-per-view when we do these twice every year, where we can allow ourselves to really bury the fucking thing when (laughs) so often it deserves such a response. But in the long run, it doesn't really matter. These shows should really serve as a blueprint or a testing ground for the shows proper. The things that don't work here, and there are lots of them, need to be ironed out for when they really need to be ironed out. So as a sounding board pay-per-view, I don't know I can really go as far as to recommend watching it. But if you did somehow come by it and you got your mates round you can do worse i'm not going to say much worse but you can do worse a four out of ten and everybody at least it's five long months until may 2001 and we are now back in december 2020 bringing our Fuck for that, bringing our WWF Part 1 December 2000 show to a close. Billy, it was only an hour and 15 minutes anyway. Exactly, but you know what? I had a lot of fun. As so did usual. I. Um, I, I, I. I hope you put that £14 slogan on a T-shirt. I didn't want to steal Mr. Collins' uh, gimmick, but I think I did. So there we go. But no, it's a lot of fun. Thank you very much, Rory. Billy, it's always great to have you on. It's We've got to try to get you something better than this we should be too difficult at some point too but the wcw pay-per-views there are only four of those to go now so your opportunities are limited oh yeah I, I, well i was a bit disappointed i missed out on star 2000 because i really enjoy that show um but 
Three more. Uh, I'm going to get uh, you on a WCW before before it goes tits up. I'm going to get you on there. Uh, you, you know I will be up for it. I'll be more than happy to watch Road Warrior Animal in a main event. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, they wonder why they died. Billy, where can people yes. find you? Get in touch. Uh, right, yes, you can find me on the Twitter um, at Billy Triple Two. No, wait a minute. It's at Billy underscore J83. I, I don't use it hardly much anymore. I don't really do much. Um, tweeting these days um unless it's about the american males because i'm well, well just, obviously i I'm, I'm very fond of that tag team i've been watching a lot of um old wcw nitro with them on recently As so. you do. <laughs> <laughs> I, i've been reliving the dungeon of doom i don't tweet about it much but i do tweet about the american males <laughs> oh, yeah again know your audience billy exactly <laughs> have you set up the crowdfund page yet to get your 14 pounds recouped uh, unfortunately, 20 no, years no, worth no. of interest. <laughs> 20 years worth of it. No, Whatever no, that is now. <laughs> that's just gone into the ether, mate. Um, I'm, I'm not very happy about it, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> Talk about wearing the scars. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, thank you so much again for joining us, pal. It's always a pleasure to have you on, mate. Great. Uh, no, no worries, man. No worries. Uh, and we're out nice and early on this one for you. Don't want to detain you too long on a show like this. There are proper programs coming up this month. WWF show part two Armageddon with Chris White and the crew. WCW, I will be there with Eric. And Pete Kimber should be joining us as well for the first time in a while, which will be great. Chris Lacey in charge of your ECW and the big one end of year award show dropping on New Year's Eve. What else will you be doing than to listen for us ranking the year 2000 in pro wrestling for four hours? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that what New Year's Eve is for, Billy? Uh, Yes, talking about pro wrestling and ranking the best and worst things that happened this year. From, from 20 years ago. From 20 years ago. We can't go Pretending out, so. you're there in that year. That is how you do it. That is how you do it. We can't go out. So, you know, we might as well listen to wrestling 20 years ago. Now, that is a tagline. You can't go out, so you might as well listen to it. <laughs> I, want, I want a T-shirt by next month. Billy, make it happen. I'll make it happen, mate. I'll yeah. go and spend £14 on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Get your finest minds onto it. Billy, thanks a lot, mate. You take care. And thanks to you. Everybody else, thanks so much for listening. Proper show's coming up soon. We'll see you again next time. Bye.